Blog Talk. Welcome to Special Needs Talk Radio Network, featuring six outstanding special needs programs. Special Needs Talk Radio and our team of hosts provide educational programming. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing law and rights for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clatch Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, today's host. Welcome to Special Needs Talk Radio Network, featuring six outstanding... Oh, okay. There, I finally stopped it. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. First, let me thank Mae Wilkinson, who's moderating our Twitter tweet chat tonight. And special thanks goes to our founder of the Coffee Clatch, Marianne Russo, who is graciously allowing me to drive the bus tonight. And tonight, I've been looking forward to this time for quite a while. Our guest is Louis Stark, author of the blog entitled Big Daddy Autism and author of the very, very funny book, Big Daddy's Tales from the Lighter Side of Autism. Lewis, welcome to the Coffee Clutch. Thanks for having me, Chuck. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I got to say, your, your book is seriously funny. I mean, it's milk through the nose funny. And Griffin sounds like a great kid, and the book does a really good job of conveying the, the drive-you-crazy aspect of, you know, kids like Griffin. And it really does a great job of conveying the love you and Mrs. Big Daddy have for him. I'm, I'm so, glad that came great through. Book. I'm glad. I'm really glad that came through, and I'm glad you liked it. It's it's uh, it's funny that uh, it, it is. It, I, I think it is funny. The feedback I got, it's funny, and it's funny because he's so funny. I mean, the material I'm given, it's like kind of like writes itself, so to speak. Uh, he's just he's just the, the kid is hilarious. I mean, sometimes intentionally, most of not most of the time not intentionally, but uh, he gives me such good such good uh, you know material to write that it just kind of writes itself. And uh, yeah. I, I'm glad I'm glad his voice kind of came through because you know people who know him who read the book said it is his voice. And his voice is is one that should be heard, I think, and uh, you know, as a, as a as a lighter side and a, a funny side to you know what could yeah. be you know at times uh, not so funny of a situation, you know. Well, well, right, and you know, parents deal with autism all kinds of ways, you know, from denial to becoming super informed and leading crusade, crusades for you know better services and 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 everything in between that that uh, spectrum of, you know, from denial to uh, super mom or dad. Uh, but you you wrote a book. So what drove you to doing this? Um, well, I, you know what? I mean, I did some of that stuff. I had the denial stuff going on, and I had the let's fix this attitude for a while, and then I had, well, maybe if I ignore it, it'll go away kind of attitude for a while. And then about five, maybe six years ago, Griffin is 14 now, and maybe when he was like eight or nine, uh, my wife and I kind of came to the conclusion that, well, she probably much earlier than I, but I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, I'm not going to fix him. I mean, whatever the fix might be, I'm not going to be able to fix him. He is who he is. So I kind of slowly got to the point of acceptance and accepting who, who he was. And life became a lot easier at that point. And then as time went on, after I accepted him, I realized 
wow, he's some of the stuff he does is just like really funny. I mean, I, I sometimes feel like I'm in the Truman Show, that movie with Jim Carrey a few years back, where right, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's almost like the candid camera type of thing. Like this, can, my, this can't be my life. The things that come out of this kid's mouth, or he does, or the situations he puts us in, because he just has no filter in what he says, or all, all these kind of, or, or, all the wacky interests he has, or the, uh, or the, or the different stims that he has. It was just so funny. So I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I just started to enjoy him, and, and, and my wife and I are very. Uh, sarcastic and you use humor, humor a lot and he gets a lot of it which is great I mean he had to I mean he raised the house that we're constantly you know sending zingers at one another and he gets them sometimes and so humor's always been a big part of it especially the last uh-huh. couple of years I mean he's become a part of it you know like I said sometimes unintentionally but sometimes intentionally he'll try to throw one out there every once in a while and so I realized he, I, he's so funny I got to share him with the world. And when we first, you know, uh, entered the world of autism, I mean, there there were plenty of books out there and plenty of uh, resources out there, but mainly on uh, how to treat, how to cope, how to, um, you know, uh, those type of things. And also sometimes they call it the misery diaries also, where how woe is me, how bad it is. And I figured there was definitely room for something out there that would be more of a upbeat kind of, well, yeah, okay, this is where we are, but you know what? It's kind of funny. It's kind of good. And so I started a blog. The blog got some good, you know, feedback, and uh, I decided to put together a book. And uh, the book has gotten some good uh, good feedback as well, and, I, and hopefully I've helped some people with it. You know, seeing that, you know, acceptance in humor, kind of a good thing when, you, when you're thrown, when the kind of life throws you a monkey wrench. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, okay, you decide you're going to write this book. Now, what was it like when you walk into the kitchen one morning and announce to Mrs. Big Daddy, I'm writing a book about Griffin? How, how does she respond? Uh, yes, dear, sure, dear, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, no, I think, I, you know what, I, I batted it around for such a long time. What happened was, even before I started the blog, I kind of wrote a book. It wasn't exactly what came with this book, but I kind of just sat down. I found myself through my own health issues having a lot more free time, uh, kind of a, uh, you know, a career change that, that left me more at, at home a lot more than I was before. And I just was, just one night I just started as a catharsis just writing about him, just writing some funny stuff about him, some not, and some, and, and then after a while I had, you know, maybe 40 or 50 pages of a book down. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do with this? And I tried to shop it around to agents and whatnot. Not, obviously, no, no success with that whatsoever. So I kind of put it away for a while. So I had kind of done it for a little bit. And then uh, in, in the summer of 2010, I, I just had, I don't know, it just came to me one day. I was like, well, you know what? I kind of started looking at some of these blogs. Uh, and some of them were kind of funny. I mean, I had one of them that kind of inspired me. I, I hate that I'm even giving her a plug because we have that kind of love-hate relationship. But this uh, Lynn who writes Autism Army Mom, uh, she was funny, and I, I liked her sense of humor. She has a much younger daughter, but she had kind of like a from-the-trenches kind of gallows humor about her life. And I said, you know what, maybe there's room for me out there also. And I, I started to blog from it, and after I blogged for a while, it just became obvious that there was, like, people w- were wanting this. I mean, they wanted uh, upbeat, funny stories. So she wasn't that, Mrs. Big Daddy wasn't that surprised when, when actually it, it came ta- down to it. Like I said, I'm going to put together a book, you know what I mean? And, uh, and she's never surprised with anything I do. I'm pretty uh, impulsive. And her life with me has been quite a roller coaster over the last uh, what seventeen or eighteen years that we've been together. So uh-huh. uh, nothing surprises her now. I mean, really, you're, yeah. uh, uh, God bless her. <laughs> but you know, she, yeah. she's, uh, so over those seventeen, eighteen years, have you always been a, a really humorous guy? 
Oh yeah, and her too. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I like to I like to describe her, and I you know don't tell her, but I like to describe her as having a great sense of humor. But uh, okay, funny wise, you know what I mean. There's a difference between having a sense of humor, but she really, in in reality, she's really funny. And we go back and forth and they were real sarcastic. My even my youngest daughter, little sis, who is not on the spectrum, uh, she is 11. And, I mean, it's just like one after another. It's almost like a sitcom in our house. And Griffin is just forced to be involved with it. So we've always used humor. And to, a, to, to an extent also, humor is a good coping, uh, you know, coping strategy for us. Because, you know, I've always found in, in the most stressful situations, I just crack jokes. I mean, sometimes it's inappropriate. I mean, just, that's just what I, what I do. Um, and it, it helps. I mean, it really, it really does help as a coping strategy. So maybe my wife is using it as a, a coping strategy for, for being married to such an, uh, an insane individual like me, but we've always been that way. I mean, our, our, our life is like a, like a Seinfeld, one Seinfeld episode after another, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, Griffin, yeah. Griffin was just born into it. Yeah. So, well, okay, so tell us Griffin's story. Tell us about, you know, when he was born and, and what he was like and, and how did you um, finally come to having him diagnosed? Uh, Griffin was born in, in 1997. Uh, so at that time, obviously, the, the prevalence of autism was not nearly what it is today. I mean, before Griffin was born, my whole experience with autism was Rain Man. You know, seeing the movie Rain Man a bunch of times, mm -hmm. uh, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I, I know nothing about it at all. Um, in hindsight, I think there was one kid in my school growing up who uh, who was mainstreamed in and probably was autistic uh, at the time. But I mean, I really had no nothing, no no idea what this was. So he was born um, in September of '94 here, uh, '97. I'm sorry, here in uh, in Florida, and uh, his birth was relatively traumatic. Um, the the uh, the doctor didn't show up, so me and a, me and a uh, and a uh, nurse delivered him. Uh, he was delivered under a code blue, I guess, because the umbilical cord was wrapped on his neck, and obviously there was no doctor there, but so he went right into neonatology. Uh, so he wasn't, you know, wasn't the easiest entry into Earth, and it's pretty funny how he was difficult coming in, and he's, he's been kind of difficult ever since. I mean, it's like kind of like, you know, apt, in a very apt way of coming into the world. Uh, he was, um, I, he was, he, I mean, physically he met, you know, he was fine. They, 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 they think that he, did, he didn't lose so much oxygen. He came in fine. He was a screamer in the in the in the nursery um but nothing the first day or two really really told us anything was different about him but uh within with when we when we first brought him home i mean almost immediately we brought him home the second third fourth day or something like that we knew something was different and uh with him he was uh he didn't cry much he screamed and when he screamed, he yeah. screamed for hours and hours and hours on end. Uh, we expressed our concern to our parents and to the pediatrician, who pretty much wrote us off, you know, as ah, you just knew neurotic, you know, parents. You never mm -hmm. had a kid before. He was our first, uh, so we really didn't get any traction with anybody. And so we said, all right, well, maybe, you know, maybe we are. Maybe they're right. Maybe we are just overly, you know, looking too much into things. But some things that struck us like it's really kind of strange. I mean, even before he started missing milestones, which he missed. I mean, he's at 14. He's still missing milestones, but he missed every milestone possible. And then he started this thing when he was—I can't even remember how old he was—but he started um, his first stim. Really, was uh, he would look like he's screwing in uh, uh, a doorknob, like both his hands would be rotating uh, back and forth, like all day. He would sit there all day, and he'd do his feet also. His feet would start wagging as well. And it was strange, and he was stiff also. His legs, would, he would keep his legs stiff straight out. Uh, he would definitely not, when you hugged him, he would not really, like, fold into you like a baby does, but he would, you know, um, uh, you know kind of be tense and, and, and stiff that way. 
So, um, you know, and, and again, the screaming, and he was, it was just very rough. I mean, the first year was really rough. And about after a year or so, maybe a year and a couple months, the pediatrician kind of said, you know what, you know, maybe there is something going on here. So at about 15, 16 months or so, we finally went to a, a, a pediatric neurologist, um, who, who diagnosed him as, uh, I think they called um, what PDD, pervasive developmental disorder, because mm-hmm. right. he was too young at that, I mean, at that time. I don't know what the diagnosis goes on now because it was years ago, but they wouldn't uh, diagnose him as autistic at the time. And so they did PDD uh, unspecified or something to that effect. And, um, and at that time, he was maybe 17 or 18 months by the time we got to the, to, to the uh, neurologist. And he wasn't walking or wasn't talking. Um, but about at, at about two, he started to walk and maybe utter some words. Uh, but he never did anything like the pointing or he had not, no real receptive language. Um, and he continued to miss... Um, Miss uh, milestones, like pretty much every. I mean, he didn't potty train, you know, until he was six or seven, and maybe even didn't finish really, really get the whole potty training until he was like eight, even like really, where he was doing everything on the potty all the time. Um, yeah. And he, he he started to develop some language, which was great. And what had happened was, at about two, we kind of like we're, we're, we're almost resigning ourselves to the fact that he may not speak, because the neurologist was using terms as if he speaks rather than when he speaks. You know, that, that kind of that that turn. I guess a lot of parents can 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 really uh, empathize with that when that when they, they start saying if. I, I mean, if rather than when, as to well, if he walks or when, or instead of when he walks or if he speaks rather than when he speaks. So we had started to do a little bit of sign language. And pretty much like a week after we started doing the sign language, he kind of started talking a little bit. I mean, he still speaks um, a little bit like a caveman. You know, he has like a, you know, his vocabulary is pretty extensive, but his use of uh, proper syntax and grammar is, you know, not not so right. great. Uh, he he, me- he mixes his, mixes his pronouns up, and his 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 conversation is is almost totally limited to just the topics that he's interested in, which at this moment uh-huh. is uh, <laughs> elevators and um, elevators and uh, what else? All oh, the weather. He <laughs> weather elevators, the weather, and weather who I'm channel. talking to yeah. on the phone. That's pretty much what his his topics of interest are. Uh, yeah. But over time, I mean, uh-huh. he's yeah. Go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead. Oh, and over time, he's you know he's progressed. Uh, we always have, I guess a lot of parents of kids, especially have this thing that we're hoping that he's going to catch up someday. He's going to catch up. Well, you know, after he's about six or seven years old, we started thinking, okay, so he's not going to catch up, but now we hope that he just keeps progressing. And even at 14 years old, he keeps growing and maturing and um, getting, our life with him is getting in many, many ways easier every year, every day, every year, whatever. I mean, it, it is getting easier. But as time goes on, it also, the reality starts to sink in that, you know, the catching up is obviously a, a, a yeah. pipe dream. It's not going to happen. And the cha- his chances of living completely independently, although he's only 14 and things can change, but those those things kind of become more reality that, you know, he may be with us forever, which is not such a bad thing, though, but, I mean, things like that kind of become clearer as our life even becomes easier, as he becomes more of a, a sentient being, so to speak, that he understands where where he fits in the world a little more than he did five years ago. We can reason with him, sometimes talk him down from, from, the, uh, from the tantrums or whatever, um, and also enjoy our time with him now, which, you know, early on was 
there wasn't much enjoyment the first few years with him because I mean he didn't get much enjoyment out of life and 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 we right. certainly didn't get much enjoyment out of him because he was just uh, we were just he was just a time bomb he was just like every minute we spent with him we were hoping that he wasn't going to have a, a meltdown or something and uh, but now it's not like that I mean now yeah he still has his tantrums and he goes and he does like his Hulk stomping around sometimes but uh, you know now is he's enjoy he's an enjoyable human being and really a really a positive aspect to our life and uh, and that's where he developed from from his, his traumatic birth to the point where he actually just turned 14 yesterday it was his birthday yesterday oh and, uh, well, yeah it was, and it, was, it was so it was so great it was really great because he wanted a party so we had some of his friends from his uh, special class at school and we went to a pizza place on Friday night and he was loving it I mean he was having he was talking to his friends he was like happy and he told me yesterday and yesterday also we made a big deal of it on his actual birthday as his grandparents came down and went to his favorite restaurant which is Chili's and he you know, had a great time and, and in a quiet moment he just told me uh, I had a great birthday and something like that I mean just like I, I brought tears to us I'm like, I'm like this 300 pound ball tattooed guy and I'm kind of like getting choked up from something my, my, my kid told me but it's uh, yeah. it's great that he has moments like that he really actually could express when he's happy, and he did express that he had a great birthday, and that's just, those moments are just, you know, we have a typical, like we have a, a daughter who's not on the spectrum, we have such, I mean, obviously it's your typical um, relationship with a, uh, you know, with your, with, a, with a child, and we have that, but we also have with Griffin, where these little things are just momentous, I mean, that's that kind of like the things that most parents take of their, their kids for granted, when it happens with us, it's like, it blows our mind, you know, it's just, it's just great. Yeah, well, listen, uh, we got a couple callers on the air. Let's take some let's uh if you're up to uh taking a couple phone calls. Sure, uh, get our, <laughs> All right. <laughs> our call in number is 646-595-2881 and we're taking a caller from area code 973. Hello? Let's see if we can get him again. Hello, area hello. code 973. Hello. Hi, hello. 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 You're on the hello. Air? Hello. We hear yes, you. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Hi Big Daddy. How are you? Good. How oh. about you? Hey, oh, it's good. Kathy Kelly big... from Twitter. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. You're how like exciting. My biggest, you're like you're like my you're like my my steadfast biggest fan. I I, I love I love that you're out there. <laughs> well, you know, my son Billy is the same age as Griffin, so you know we we connect on many levels. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so do you have a question for the Big Daddy? Well, no, I just want to say hi and, you know, love your book. I got it from my husband as one of his Father's Day presents. It makes great bathroom reading for those dads, (laughs) you know. It it does. Thank you so much. It really is an easy read also. It certainly isn't. It isn't Hemingway, and it's not dense, that's that's for sure. Bathroom reading is perfect, Kathy. Well, not everybody's into the blogging thing, you know, and he's not. So this is a great way for him to... uh, to to get as much enjoyment out of the cartoons and 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 the stories as I do, so yeah, and I, I'm sure you can relate too, as you know, as a father, uh, you know, in the same way as I could. Hopefully, you could relate. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot out there from moms. You know, I think moms do a lot more blogging about it. Moms, a lot of the books out there are written by women. You know, mothers. Yep. Uh, many of the memoirs, and you know, it's good to get the testosterone side, you know, it's good yeah, to get sure. the dads, especially since what's very interesting is the vast majority of uh, kids on the spectrum are boys. 
Right. Yeah, so it is. And it's I, and a I definitely completely saw... different relationship between daddy and son and mommy and son. So of course, and there really, there really is. And, and, and uh, what, I've, what I've gotten the feedback is that a lot of dads, especially with the sons, have a tough time accepting it. I mean, they just, they just fight it and fight it and fight it, and they, want, and they go for the fix, fix, fix all the time because they want their son to play football with them or go to prom or teach them how to drive. And you know what? After a while, you've got to just kind of, you know, say, accept the kid for who he is and what he does. But a lot of dads have, seem to have a problem with that, and uh, I did too. I mean, you know, quite honestly, I did too, and I'm glad that I was able to, you know, find acceptance and, and humor in, in, in the situation and hopefully, you know, spread that to some other dads out there, you know. It's, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I can do that. Hey, Lewis, you make a really good point it's about uh, fathers. I think it is our, our in our, uh, you know, uh, DNA to try and and fix things. And how long how long were you in that mode of of okay, I'm going to fix this kid? I was probably I'd say about five years or so, and then I went into a uh, a complete denial, ignore it mode. I just started staying away. I started not being involved in it. I started having my wife would, would handle everything. And we, we both kind of as soon as we you know learned the, the diagnosis, we hit the hit the ground running. And, and, and my wife did great with this. I mean, we got him therapies to start with. We tried all the other you know, all the other stuff, and none of that other, the dietary stuff seemed to work with him. And it mm-hmm. also was this is years ago, so it wasn't really as 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 easy to do nowadays. Not that it's easy, but right. uh, my my wife got 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 him going with the therapies, the speech therapies, occupational, physical, and um, I think that it had a great effect on him, and I think that it really helped him along. Uh, but after a while, I mean, there's only so much you can do as far as the therapies go, and then the rest is just you know it is what it is, so to speak. And uh, my wife kept at it. And we kept the fixing thing going on for, for quite a few years. She accepted him for who he is, but still wanted to make it as good as possible. Me, after like five, six years, I kind of like, um, I gave up a little bit. I, I kind of like, I left. I, I, I kind of be, I kind of checked out a bit. And that was for a couple of years until, you know, I, I was brought back again by my own, not by anything that great that happened to me as, as far as mentally goes. My own physical um, health issues kind of brought me back again. And once I got back, uh, it was just obvious to me that this kid was, special and not special only in a bad way special in a, in a really positive way right and the effect right. that he has and griffin we, we're blessed with griffin also because he's so happy i mean he has his tantrums and he has his time where he is really really um upset stressed nervous but 23 hours a day he is smiling he's polite he's uh, he wants to please he follows the rules he loves Adults. I mean, he just is so uh, positive in that way that everybody meets him. They falls in love with him. I mean, they, they absolutely do. So we got lucky with that, and I kind of start, started to see him for who he is rather than see him for who he wasn't, and uh, that really big change for me. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to say that I came upon it, you know, with, due to my own brilliance and my own, you know, great great spirit, but, you know, it was a combination of, of my health and Griffin maturing and becoming, uh, a, you know, a much more easy-to-deal-with child that kind of did it. And I do know, I hear it all the time, that the fathers have a tougher time, especially with the boys. And, you know, at times I do miss the fact that he's not going to, he doesn't, well, he does, he plays football in a special, he has a special buddies league and they play football, I mean, he does, but he's not going to okay. learn learn how to drive or or or, or uh, go to the prom or probably get married and all those kind of things he's not going to do. But, you know, kind of in a strange way, I'm going to get that with my daughter. My daughter's going to go and do all those things that a typical 
typical child. So I hate to use the word typical, but, you know, just to distinguish from, from somebody on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's mm-hmm. going to go ahead doing all those things. I'm going to hopefully get to see her, you know, uh, graduate college and get married and have kids and all that kind of stuff. And at the other time, I also still have my baby boy with me at all times. So it's almost like the best of both worlds. I mean, I get, I get to see one go up and fly the nest, and I get another one. It's always going to be able to hold my hand. I mean, at 14 years old, he's like five foot three. He's like, he comes up to my eyebrows already, and he's 150 pounds. He's a big boy, and I still, he still goes and grabs my hand when we go across the street. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the fact that I can grab him and hug him and kiss him. What other 14-year-old boy lets their father like, hug them at will, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it really is great. So I really got, I got blessed with like the best of both worlds, I think, as, as far as that goes. And lucky that way, kind of lucky. So as a father, and, and Kathy, as a mother, you know, what do you want for your kids as they mature through life? And what do you really, what do you want for your kids? Do you want to take it first, Kathy? Oh, well, well, obviously the same thing that you would want for any child, whether they're on the spectrum or not. You want them to be happy. You want them to be happy, you want them to be healthy, and you want them to be safe. And and really, there's no different. It's just that the way that you go about facilitating that is different. Absolutely. But, you know, your goals yep. are the same. I agree, and that's, yep. and that's you. Your goal is is happiness. I mean, that's really what you want: happiness, safety, health. Uh, you know, funny thing though is that Griffin, being the first for us, changed her whole perspective on on that. Also, I mean, because a lot of ter- parents want their children to succeed is one of the things they do, and they have high expectations for whether it be grades or uh, a, a great occupation or profession or something like that. Our our expectations, and this is how my my daughter got away kind of easy. Our expectations. I, wouldn't, I don't want to say lowered, but they, like I said before, the little things make us so much more proud. So that, like, some, if my, even my daughter comes home with a C or a D in something, eh, <laughs> you know what? In the scheme of things, Griffin in the showed big us scheme, that's, it's that's not, really yeah. not that important. Right. You know, it really doesn't, doesn't matter at all, you know? Uh, so, you know, just no straight A's, eh. Who cares? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it kind of really makes things a little easy. You know, to, 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 to quote a cliche, you kind of don't sweat the small stuff anymore. You kind of, you kind of say the small stuff, eh, that really doesn't matter at all. You know, the bigger stuff is, yeah. hey, he's talking, he's potty trained. Damn, that's, that's, that's the, you know, that's the big stuff. You don't have to change the diaper of an eight-year-old kid anymore. That, you know, that kind of changes your attitude about getting A's or B's, you know what I mean? So uh, in a yeah, way, you've made our life a lot better in that, in that respect. But, yeah, Lewis, I, I think, think our daughters have very similar uh, futures ahead of them, though, in that now the one thing that concerns me the most as, as we're all getting older, you know, our kids are getting older, we're getting older, I always think to myself, gosh, you know, she is his only sibling, and yeah. she's going to be responsible for him yeah. when, and us, you know, when we're aging parents, I mean, they always talk about the sandwich generation where you have your, your own children and then your aging parents. Yeah. She's going to have it coming from three sides. She'll have yeah. her children, her brother, and her aging parents. Right. And that... I, I, yeah, I know. We we think about it all the time. And one thing my my daughter has for me is that I've lived such a such a terrible life with my body so far that hopefully I won't be there for that. She, she'll 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 only have Mrs. <laughs> Big Daddy and Griffin. But because uh, uh, and I, I'd be a horrible patient as an older person anyway. But I know we have that we have that we have that and we have this. I've actually had the discussion with her about it that I don't want her to be concerned about it. But as parents, what we need to do is set up uh, mechanisms that help. 
uh, to alleviate it, at least from a financial standpoint. I mean, do some estate planning and stuff like that. Uh, this is Absolutely. not legal advice, of course, but I mean, uh, you know, but I mean, do some estate planning. I mean, I, I, to, to make sure that and we've done some estate planning to make sure that there's not going to be a financial aspect to it, but there is still that she feels that way, that she's going to have to take care of him. And not that she feels that way, that it's a bad thing. It's just a fact of life. She just looks at a fact of life, yeah. but I don't want her to be, especially 11 years old, I don't want her to be concerned about it, you know, so um, well, we're doing, we just do what we can to make sure that, that, that the impact is not so great on her life. And, you know, interestingly, I have a friend of mine from, from college uh, who has a younger sister who is severely disabled. She, um, it was during the uh, late 60s when they had, the, there was a, one, of the, one of the drugs that they gave to uh, women in, in delivery caused, uh, it was kind of a common thing, and I don't know what the name of it is, but she's blind and, and has some uh, mental uh, retardation also. I believe I don't know what what her diagnosis is, but this friend of mine who has this younger sister who is severely disabled has that feeling, and I know what my daughter's going to do because I've seen my friend who's now forty five years old. Um, she's what she's gone through is that she's always kept like kind of she doesn't have to take care of her uh, sibling because her mother is still alive, but she's always had that like at some point I'm going to have to do something with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like yeah. I, it, she doesn't look at it, she doesn't um, regret it. She doesn't hold it against her. She just—it just is what it is. I mean, it, it kind of like that's what it is, you know. So uh, yeah. my daughter has that. She thinks about it, and I, you know, at 11 years old, I definitely don't want to think about it. But all, all I can do is do the best I can while I'm here to make sure, I, you know, it's not a financial burden, and uh, and uh, and it's not, you know, then she doesn't dwell on it too often. Uh, but yeah. again, like my health, my health makes it so that this is going to become my wife's problem more than mine at some point. But uh, I know it's a little macabre, but uh, you know, one of the one of the better better aspects of uh, being three hundred pound diabetic with uh, you know some other some other health diseases, you know, health, health things going on with me. Well, Lewis, we have uh, we have about a minute left, so lay some words of wisdom for on lay some words of wisdom on uh, on us and and for parents who are just. Just getting, uh, they're just walking into, um, you know, the world of autism or or any kind of special need. They just received the diagnosis. What what advice can you give? I, I think for the early ones that just got that just got into the world is talk to others who have been there and listen to them. I mean, because you can listen to, you can hear people speak but not listen to them. Listen to the people who have been through, uh, who are ahead of you in the game, so to speak, and know that it's not. A death sentence. There is. I mean, it's going to be tough, and it, but it gets easier. It does get easier, and at some point, not the early stages. You can't. You, in one, two, three, four years, you can't get it. But at some point, you got to reach a, a place of acceptance. Accept the child for who the child is, and find the humor in it. Find the good side. Find, be grateful for what there is is good in it because there is good in it. And, I, and you know, in 1998, 99, I couldn't see that at all. But now, uh, as my kid is 14 and he's growing, he's still what they would call, I guess fairly severely autistic, but you know what? That's not doesn't define our life. I mean, he's just a member of our family and we have fun with him and it's it really is not that big a deal anymore. He just is who he is. That's my word yeah. of advice. Okay, well thank you very much. We'll have to let that be the last word tonight. Uh and so Lewis, thank you very much for joining us on the Coffee Clatch. Kathy, Thanks. thank you for uh, jumping in with us. It was a pleasure Thanks, to have Tyler. you. And, Thanks so much, Chuck. Uh, Thanks for everyone. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, for everyone, for listening, and everybody have a good night. Thanks Thank you so much, Chuck. Bye-bye. Good night.